Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better. Like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to the Roker Report Extra podcast and for a fourth time this season, can you believe it, they let me back, it's me James Lawson covering for Graham and this week I'm delighted to say we've been joined by a returning guest, it's Rochdale fan Alex, Alex how are you doing this evening? Hello, good evening James, nice to meet you, I'm doing well yourself? Yeah, yeah, very well thanks, very well. Um, since you're a returning guest Alex, we'll, we'll start with a tough one. Um, Wanting to know how confident you are that Rochdale are going to get out of this mad 13-man, 13-team relegation battle that we've got going on. Um, in all fairness, I think now it's back in our own hands. That's going to help us. Um, a few games before Brian Barry Murphy became our caretaker, I had a hope. I thought we'd be probably bottom of the pile by now. However, I think we've, I think we've won twice, drew twice in the last four. Defence seems a lot more firmer. To say it was like the most vulnerable defence in League One. Um, putting in entirely at centre back, getting in Andy Lonigan on loan, um, and just better tactics in general. I think we might have more of a chance. I'm not going to bank on it. We still have to obviously make up, and our goal difference is, is absolutely terrible. But that being said, I think the quality of teams in the lower end of League One this season, I think it's poorer standards. So I'm just hoping maybe we can get our way out of it and do, a, do another great escape, hopefully. Hopefully. Ah, good stuff. And Andy Lonigan is that former Preston journeyman formerly yeah. been around forever. Is he your keeper now? Um, well, he would have been the keeper for Saturday, but we've, the thing is we've signed him for Middlesbrough. And um, yeah, his loan has ironically just ended just before we play Sunderland. So we'll be playing Josh Lillis in that more likely. Lillis is, a, is an absolute ease. Like he's had, I think he's had over 250 games for Dale. Um, he's been in there in both promotion seasons. And to be honest, he's not a bad keeper, but when we see the golfing class compared to Andy Lonigan, who is obviously, as you said, he's been at various championship clubs. Um, it's it's going to be a bit of an adjustment, but I'm just hoping he can come in and come in straight on form and have the organisation um, in order to keep us defensively sound and keep us in the game on Saturday. 
Yeah, you sort of hope with it being a keeper that's experienced that the players know that's been around for a while. Mm. It's not like sort of when your first team goal is injured and it's a 20-year-old who's been back up for three years or well, we've, we've been at the conference. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. we've had um, a few keepers at the beginning. We had a lad called Marcus Norman. He came in from the MLS. I forgot what, which team he's came from, but he came over. He didn't really suit English football at all. Numerous mistakes. Um, we had a spell around Christmas where we kept losing like four and five goals like all over the shop. We lost it on to Bradford 4-0, Doncaster 5-0 and he played at Doncaster and it was one of the worst coaching cameos of sin. So it won't be that bad the list but it's just the, the dropping standard because you know Lonigan will put, it's probably the best keeper we can hope for um, within our budget. But obviously it's just emergency loan so just hoping Josh can come in there and just keep up the form. Um, keep up the relationship with the defenders. He knows the defence in front of him, obviously. We've been at the club for many years, but I'm just hoping he can keep it up because if we're going to get anything out of Saturday, it's going to be keeping you quiet rather than us trying to go on the ascendancy. Yeah, no, it's, it's mad, sort of. like I didn't realise until we went down last year quite how big the gap in quality can be between different yeah. goalkeepers. Because we had three terrible ones last year. Oh, remember, and like yeah. you look around the championship and sort of, the difference between, say, I don't know, a Wayne Hennessy or someone who's maybe like the 22nd best goalkeeper in England, yeah. and then a mid-table championship keeper is huge. And like, yeah. again, again, a good League One goalkeeper and a bad League One goalkeeper because we've we've got a quite good one this year. It's just, yeah. it's absolutely bonkers. Yeah, especially like um, even in like Premier League standards these days, you can see like the amount of points a goalkeeper can pick up for you, not just in the Premier League, but any league professionally is outstanding. And you see that in like Leagues One, especially. I think Luton have always had a tight defence this season. Sunderland always seemed quite good at the back. Um, but I think you've also got a good players in front of him, like Baldwin, I think. Watched him the other day at Wembley, he had a good game. Uh, you have more experience in front of you compared to most League One clubs. Obviously, Catamull, but also Ledbury, he's a fantastic. Um, acquisition for you so I think Sunderland in terms of their overall base is set up really well to go on in a tactical league rather than Rochdale where our our defence has been a weakness really for the last couple of years and almost cost us last year just hoping it doesn't do it again but we'll see Yeah it feels like with us now we've sort of got Ledbitter playing at the base of our midfield sort yeah. of we've, we've got a bit more confidence since Flanagan and Baldwin have started playing together again yeah, to yeah. play out a bit more and because we know we've got a good goalkeeper behind them mm. yeah there has been sort of a quiet confidence returning to our defence that maybe went away for a couple of months or maybe wasn't always there before but yeah. we have we have started to look more solid recently than at any point before in the season I think part of that as well is maybe teams are a bit more defensive maybe maybe they're a bit more fearful of coming to Sunderland maybe yeah. now we're getting to sort of the business end of the season everybody's still in the hunt, stay up. Maybe teams are being a bit more cautious than they were yeah, when it was a free hit. Point, you'd rather like be playing teams at the top. Maybe teams are going to come out and attack rather than playing teams like maybe Rochdale. I mean, obviously you played Atkinson the other day, that's a bit of a breeze for you. But I think if you're playing teams away from home, nitty gritty grounds like Rock, you'll never really have been to grounds like Scotland and and the likes of uh, Stanley's ground until this year. And I think it's as close compactness and the fact that teams will just disturb your partner play and not play into your hands, whereas maybe in the Championship the Premier League, teams will happily come out, let you have a ball, and see if you can just break you down tactically. In League One, it's more about sub- it's like subduing the opposition. Um, yeah, no, it's an interesting one, because obviously, 
that Accrington game had sort of banana skin written all over it, sort yeah. of Wembley hangover or whatever. But yeah. I think because we lost on Sunday such a devastating way, having put so much into the game, mm. we just we just went after them. We were incredible first yeah. 20 minutes. I feel as if there was kind of that motivation to put Sunday right. Yeah. And yeah, McGeady obviously scores an amazing goal like yeah. to start the game. It's like, okay, we're we're on it. We we want this. We missed a few chances. Yeah. Grig gets the second one before half time. And it it was like we were really up for it. So you wonder whether third game in a week, mm. there's gonna be changes to the team again. There's players sort of carrying niggles who may or may not be playing, whether yeah. maybe you guys can take advantage of the big week we've had but that's going to be the really interesting thing is just sort of how tough our group of players is how much they want it and and where they sort of go from here whether they can yeah. sort of step up to the plate or whether this is one of these games we look back on when we're in the playoffs and think that was one we should have we should have really had that we ended up drawing but like saying that like I saw um, at Quinton you had um, I haven't seen him earlier in the season that Cas Sterling dude yeah is he new in the team him or he was brought in on loan last last day on deadline day from yeah. Tottenham. So really highly thought of academy player that's just not really played in men's football. Like I yeah. think thinking sort of like academy football, he's quite highly rated. I think he he likes to think of himself as like a, a an Aguero, like a smaller number nine that plays on the shoulder. But we've really not seen him. Um, he came on as a sub when Grig was injured sort of first game after he signed him looked raw looked looked like he had talent but looked raw and then he's barely he's barely got off the bench and it was I think it was only really with sort of the fact we were playing 4-4-2 and, and Grig struggling with an ankle problem and Ross wanting to keep the 4-4-2 shape yeah. that we actually saw Sterling so it'll be it'll be interesting actually if if Grig's fit I think we'll play 4-4-2 and it'll be him and Charlie White up front mm. so maybe you'll see Sterling come off the bench if Grig isn't fit, we'll probably go, probably go with Honeyman in the midfield three, and it'll be it'll be White leading the line, and and then maybe you see Sterling, or if Grig's fit enough to come off the bench, come off the bench. But yeah, we we still don't really know a lot about Sterling because because yeah, he's he's just he's just sort of yeah yeah just one of these where we sign a young unproven player and then we get him and it's like oh oh shit he's a young unproven <laughs> player we don't really know what we've got here so yeah. it's kind of. Yeah, he's but kind of there for that. Exciting players because I think that was the case when Matthew broke in the scene for your last season, wasn't it? Like he'd been like he made a couple of appearances in the Prem, and then obviously had the experience of last year and built on it this year. But I think did he go in January today or? Yeah, he went in January. I mean, yeah. that was that was one of the depressing things um, mm. in prepping for this podcast was mm. watching watching his two goals back against you. It was like, yeah, oh, I forgot how good he was. It's like he, oh, he ran us he ran us ragged in there. September, but I think Chris McGuire did, but I don't think he's fit for Saturday, is it? Yeah, yeah, correct. He's he had an injury that initially looked like it was going to be a season ender against Gillingham, but he's yeah. already pretty close to coming back. But That's I think the target's yeah. next week for him. I think the target's next week. But yeah, he was yeah. he was brilliant. That was sort of like the main things I remembered from that game was that it was a brilliant Maguire game. It was that McGeady still wasn't fitting in the team no, at that point. No, no. And I think yeah, no, Lyndon Gooch was on the wing that day, but again, he scored a. I think he scored a goal and got an assist or so. Yeah, yeah, so, he scored. Um, 
Yeah, he sc- he won the penalty. Did he score yeah, two? Yeah. Would he have taken the penalty and then scored the fourth in the second half? He could he could have done. I think he did. I think it was a magic brace. And I yeah. think it must have. I think Gooch must have got the brace because I remember he caught it on his left foot for what? Yeah. And I remember he's, you've got that chant, that Gooch chant. Yeah, yeah. And I think I heard it a couple of times, like after a goal, so I yeah. think he might have scored the other one. Yeah, the yeah, no, yeah. He, no, he did. I, I watched it back yesterday. He, yeah, he got yeah. the pen and then because he scored a similar goal cutting into one onto his left mm. um, against Man City under 21s in our check yeah, trade yeah. run. And it's a weird one because I think because teams defend against us and they sit back off us, mm. especially at home, it's like one of those things where he's obviously got that in his locker, but he doesn't really get a chance to do it because mm. teams double up on him. And he doesn't have the sort of football intelligence yet to yeah. know when to sort of drive in and take the shot on and when not to. He's another one who's sort of a question mark for the team on yeah. Saturday because Lewis Morgan came on against Accrington and played really well mm. and he played really well in the Czech trade trophy final but those so it's kind of, aren't they really keeping the squad fresh rotating especially around this point with like seven games to go yeah yeah absolutely I think mm. it's something we touched on before we started is a, we're sort of hitting our stride now and I think the depth of our squad might be one of the main reasons why I think it might be that we do have two options in a lot of places and yeah. people can come in and play well and, and especially sort of teams in the bottom half of the league one probably don't have those same level of options. No, so no, do you no. think, I think that's something we're seeing at the moment. Mm. I yeah. wanted to sort of get back to Brian Barry Murphy. Obviously the big news this week is he's got his two-year deal. He's going to yeah. be Rochdale manager past this season, no matter what happens. And I was just sort of, wonder if you could sort of explain a bit what he's changed tactically and what's what sort of worked for him in these four games. I think with Brian, like obviously before him was Keith, um, I was pretty. I won't lie, I was quite wounded when he got sacked. I feel like with Keith, he's, he's the best manager I've ever had. Two promotions, best cup runs, took us to Wembley twice. Like for a club of Rochdale, he was working miracles. But this season, I think the relationship between him and the players deteriorated, and also the fan base towards the end. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll always have the utmost respect for the guy for what he changed Rochdale from a club who's heading towards the conference into a club who's had stability in League One for five years. But at the end of the day, there was no response from the players. We were just getting worse and worse. And the attitude on the field was, was appalling at times, especially when you look at games like Doncaster, Bradford, Plymouth, smashings in all essence. And I think it just came to the point where they didn't have another option on the board was to try something new before the end of the season. Brian was a member of Keefel's um, backroom staff. He's been there for probably about three, four years, maybe even longer than that. He's technically still under contract as a player. Oh, wow. Um, so if it does come on Saturday, that'll be a bit of a surprise. <laughs> but um, he's, I think the best thing about Brian is that with Keith, he was an excellent manager. You know, he knew his tactics, he knew his recruitment up until maybe you'd say about last year or so. But with Brian, he's always looked better at building relationships with the players and making sure that they're all on the same hing sheet. And uh, from that, especially this season, last four games, uh, the players are putting in more graft for each other, they're more plucky at the back, they're more hearts in it for each other. For example, against Scunthorpe, I think, the other week, we took the lead in like the 11th, 12th minute, and then Scunthorpe equalised four minutes later. Now, under Hill, that's a game that maybe could curve towards yeah. maybe a loss or a disappointing draw. If we drew that game or lost that game, for me, we didn't have a chance of staying up. We need to beat the teams around us. Fortunately, we got our act together. Um, Aaron Wilberham, uh, Wilbrahimovic, 
he turns <laughs> into an absolute goat. For some reason, he's not been like that all season. He's always had a little lack of confidence. But in the last four games, his form has picked up. Um, Matty Dorn, he's been an integral player for us over the last five, six years. His form's getting back to where it was. Joe Bunny's got recruited. Uh, Ryan McLaughlin, the full-backs. And there's more solidness in the team. And I think it's the belief that Brian is giving them and saying not to put your heads down when you go one or down, to come back or not to give you when you go and maybe concede an equaliser to make sure you keep going. Um, his record at the moment, it's it's a weird decision, in my opinion, to hire him now. Yeah, um, I yeah. think you know it could be a honeymoon period for a manager, especially four games. He can't really, through the opponents we've faced, judge him. And that's some scrutiny from some of the fan base. But I think, in all essence, for a club like Rochdale, he's, he knows the club inside out. He knows how the club engineered success in the past. And I'm hoping that his relationship with the players, and I think he gets some more better with the fans as well, could hopefully, even if he were to go down, his bounce back straight away. Um, I think in terms of his tactics, he's just using really what is given his disposal. He hasn't had a transfer window to come in. He's, he's only really managed to sign Lonigan um, in terms of a loan signing recently. So he doesn't have that flexibility. Um, Tactical-wise, more defensive, I'd say. Um, putting Joe Bunny at left-back, giving more freedom for Matty Dolan to go up the pitch has benefited him. Uh, putting Wilbraham in as a more effective target partner of Henderson as well. And I think just calming the team down and hopefully on Saturday we can see some sort of similar doggedness to maybe pick up a result. I'm not counting on it, but I think he's made us more of a proposition now than maybe the team you faced under Hill in September. Do you have any idea sort of what the the sort of mentality will be, the sort of team that will I think um, go for it on Saturday or, or will it be I one think, of the things where you'll, you'll wait and see after the first 20? I think if you asked any Dale fan, they would take a point whatever happens on Saturday. I'm not expecting... I think we have games against you and Portsmouth and their games which I don't expect anything from. So if we can get points from those two games, then I think we'll be laughing. However, obviously, with Sunderland's performance the other night, it's concerning. Um, in terms of your squad depth, again, like if you were to bring on a play in the 60th minute, like you say, if you brought on maybe McGee doesn't start for some reason, he comes on, he runs ragged. So it's about yeah. preparing and timing the game right, I think. I think like up in Stadium of Light, we kept you quiet until half an hour had gone. And before that point, we had an excellent chance with Wilbraham one-on-one should have scored. We need to make sure if we have any opportunities, we're clinical. Because we're against, in essence, championship side of the making. So it's just making sure that if we do get a chance, we take them. And trying to keep Sunderland as, as out of the game or trying to disrupt the game for as long as possible in hope that it disturbs your game plan and helps to benefit ours. But to be honest, as I said, anything like a draw to us would be like a three points, to be fair. Yeah, that was something we've had an issue with more at home than away from home, mm. especially after sort of Wickham came and ended our like eight-game win streak in all competitions or whatever it was. Yeah, I think all the managers around the league saw oh, them lot got a point up there, right, we, we need to frustrate this lot, we need to take our time with everything, yeah. throw-ins, free kicks, whatever. I mean, bending the rules, every team's going to do it. You've got to play to your advantage. But I think that's something we had a problem with, sort of like Shrewsbury, yeah. Bristol Rovers, Bradford all played us around that time hmm. and all, all, all sort of gave us difficult games or tense games. And it was sort of doing just what you said. It was sort of, causing problems it was slowing the game down it was being sensible it was sort of taking their time with everything and I, 
yeah, I'd like to think sort of going towards the end of the season, we know how to not let that get under our skin or stop us from playing. But it's definitely a tactic that's worse against us before and could probably work against us again. Yeah. Well, I remember in, um, I think the game against you in uh, September is what we were trying to achieve, is trying to just make sure that maybe if we got to half time on that game and it was still nil-nil, then maybe I'd have fancied ourselves from getting some. But as soon as we shipped the first goal, I think we conceded two more before the break and the game was dead. Yeah. So I think um, you've got to also expect from like the smaller clubs in League One, Sunderland obviously are a much bigger club than our level. Say yeah. look at Sunderland rightfully as a scout. Um, it was the same really for when teams like Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield United were down here. Um, whilst as a Dale fan, we played those two teams. It's the same approach. Teams want to take points off and teams want to turn up to Bramall Lanes, um, to Hillsborough, to Stadium of Lights and, and try and put on try and put them their little team on the map and trying to get more recognition nationally from that. And I think on Saturday, it's going to be one of the biggest games for Dale's, some Dale players in the history. Like playing Sunderland at home, playing a big club like them. And less likely they've played in maybe the games against Tottenham and Leeds over the last five, six years. Sunderland will be the biggest team they've played. Yeah, and so I mean, there was a point, it's, it's sort of levelled out a bit, but there was a point where... I think through 25 games, like 17 or 18 teams mm. had lost their game after playing against us. And there was a yeah. feeling that, that that you just run that extra 5, 10 metres a bit quicker. You chase down that loose ball a bit more. The teams were really sort of thinking, this is it. Let's get at them. Let's, let's, let's put them under pressure. And like yeah. I said, I think that has changed a bit as the season's gone on, as sort of legs get tired, as, mm. as sort of the novelty factor wears off. But... Mm. But we definitely did see that where, where there was a sense that what this team lost 3 0 to Luton last week, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They look like yeah, they look like absolute animals, they look like Atletico Madrid against us. What's going I, on? I'm but... hoping that's not the case really, because I'd rather win the game on Tuesday than beat you guys. Because we play Atkinson away on Tuesday, and that for us is like a six pointer. If we beat Atkinson, I think, you know, you're starting to look up the table. If we drew if say we drew both games, it'd be a nightmare. I'd rather lose against you on Saturday. Yeah. Save energy for the Atkinson game and make sure we put the show up there at the Crown Isle. And um, hopefully, not the Crown Isle, sorry, whatever, I don't know what thing Atkinson's ground's called these days. Um, and hopefully. Yeah, it's the Wham. People call it the Wham Stadium uh, last night. I thought that was really weird. I didn't. Uh, I didn't have time to sort of properly research it because I was on um, match report duty, but I was seeing that sort of. uh, pop up on the, uh, the Sunderland Twitter feed sort of playing Wham as we enter the Wham Stadium. I'm like, what on that's earth is going on here? That's Sunderland's day in the limelight sorted. Um, yeah, I just, yeah. Want to, I just want to see if we can maybe, that's the game I'd prefer to get points from. Sunderland's a glamour fixture on Saturday. You know, this is a reason why I want us to stay in league one is so, because every once in a while you get a big team drop from the championship like we played against Southampton in recent years. Um, of course, the Sheffield clubs, we've played against Portsmouth yeah. quite consistently recently. Yeah, so I mean, it's just, it's just trying to keep those games up and trying because that will get crowds in the gates if we go down. Like, I'm a bit, there might be more local teams. We're not going to get the gates of, say, Sunderland coming away or Portsmouth or Plymouth or Bradford, these sort of games. Yeah. Mm. That was something I wanted to touch on. Is, is that something where fans sort of will the fans rise to the occasion? Are people at all bothered when we get half the stadium or does it just improve the atmosphere around? What, what think, sort of are you um, expecting from Saturday? Because you've got, um, I think you've got the away end, which is about 3,000. Yeah, three thousand, and you get half the end behind the goal. Yeah, uh, the TDS ends. That's you're probably looking there, maybe touching on four thousand. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's an all-ticket game, so I think people do have to buy tickets in advance. Yeah. Um, and, and in all fairness, I think the, the pull of Sunderland should hopefully see Dale maybe get towards maybe six, 7,000 people in the ground. I yeah. Thought maybe, hopefully, maybe more than that, because obviously it's a big game for both teams and, and Sunderland obviously are a, a bigger fish than most teams in the league. I'm just hoping maybe the fans are more united. I think under Keith, fans were rightfully a bit aggrieved. Yeah, a bit angry of what they were paying to see. Like I went to some games this season, I just thought, why they wasted, you know, such and such on this. Like I remember, yeah. um, I've only, I think I've only actually seen one win this season, flesh at Scotland, and That's that was crazy. against Accrington. Um, oh wow! I mean, I went to, I've been to games in the New Year, but I didn't go to Scunthorpe and Shrewsbury. All the only games we've won in New Year at home. Um, so we're pretty cursed, in all fairness. Our away form, I'd say, has been better. Okay. This season, we seem to just do better away from home. I mean, we've, I think the most frustrating part about this whole um, farce that we've got ourselves into is the fact that by Christmas, the, the game before Christmas against Blackpool, we won 2-1 and Blackpool were doing quite well at that point. Um, yeah. And we were pretty much on like 30-odd points and I thought, well, we need 20 points in like 20-odd games, we should be fine. And then we went in that room where we've lost like nine games in 13 before like Wolves, before the... Uh, Brian Barry Murphy came in and it, it, it just it put us right in the mare and I'm just hoping that we haven't left it too late and I'm hoping that the fan base has also realised this and comes back the same because last season we left it late again um, we had many chances to get out of the relegation spot didn't manage to seize them um, but we had games in hand on that uh, in that season we had time on our side this season now we're getting towards seven games left we can't afford if we get any sort of lead or any sort of draw now we can't afford to chuck that away we have to keep points up and I hope, I hope that people realise that. But also, I think in terms of advertisers and all ticket, I don't know if that'll do a detriment to getting fans in on the day. Some people might want to think, oh, it's Sunderland, go on the day. Depends what the weather's like, you know, depends what might be happening yeah. personally. And they've obviously now stopped that. Unless like, you go to the ticket office before like 11 o'clock on Saturday, you can't just turn up and go and buy the ticket and go into the game. So we'll see, we'll see. I'm hoping, I'm hoping we get a decent turnout. It'd be nice to see. What sort of atmosphere are you expecting? Will the fans that do shut the the local I, ones be rare and go? I think, in all fairness, your your fans will probably be more up for it. And um, you have the away end has good acoustics. And um, the thing is with Scotland, like it's a very open ground, so even when it is quite noisy, it does kind of like get blockaded. Uh, uh, yeah. Especially from the Sandy Lane end, like it does keep kind of in the stand and doesn't really a lot of the time reach the players. And the best atmosphere I've seen at Dale is when we sold out all three stands against Leeds and it was bouncing that day and against Charlton last oh, yeah, year last game of the season again it was packed up again yeah. create the atmosphere and got people on the side I'm just hoping the thing is if we concede and we see the away fans go for it it'll deflate everybody I think and that's what we're if we take the lead then hopefully we can get one voice behind us and maybe try and cause a shock but I'm expecting someone to be the noisy ones they've got something big to play for as well Feel good factors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Feel good factors still the there as well mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. Trafalgar Square and, and Wembley Absolutely Stadium. We have, so, town, yeah. we have a town hall in Dale. I don't think it's the same as Trafalgar. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the loud and proud, definitely. <laughs> yeah. As as long as, yeah, like you say, we don't concede the yeah. first one because cause nerves will kick in. I think that's yeah. happened a lot with us at some of these smaller grounds where we are not very close to the fan base at Rochdale. Yeah, we've not scored. The lane is pretty much two yards away from the touchline where the corner kick's taken. So it is. Um, it can be quite intimidating to say you're playing in the stadium of light all the time, 
playing in a Premier League standard stadium, yeah. you know, a bit more quality in terms of like the atmosphere and like the setup of the stadium compared to like so maybe Spotland's ground. But for about Spotland, for me, that's one of the reasons I love Dale is that the ground is like that. Like it's a niche ground. It's um, it's not changed. I don't think it has changed since I've been a kid. Um, but it's always had a special place, and it's good. To, and also, it's good to have standing there behind the goal. That's something I'll, I've always appreciated. So I'm hoping we can get an atmosphere. I'm not expecting. I'm not expecting something like Wembley atmosphere from us. Um, but I feel like you got you guys were definitely up for it. Hopefully, it uh, builds into a good game. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, you mentioned earlier the uh, evergreen strike force of Ian Henderson, Aaron Wilbraham. Will it will it be both of them starting up front? You sort of mentioned Wilbraham's not had a great I, I season. Didn't, I didn't imagine uh, Wilbraham. He's, he's been on and off all season, um, but I think in that game against like Sabolder at the back, Wilbraham is a bit of a battering unit. He's a, he's a big lad, obviously. He's been going a while. He doesn't have legs, but he has a tactical now. He's been a decent striker at this level. Um, I think he went up with Bristol City about three, four years ago from League One. He was top scorer that season, so he does offer things at League One level. He played for Bolton Championship last year, so I'm hoping maybe he can find a spark to try and drag Dale over the line like he dragged Bolton over the line. In terms of Ian, I think Ian's just a god. Um, <laughs> he's the best striker we've ever had, in my opinion. He's the best striker I've ever watched. Some of the Dale fans say it's Reg Jenkins from the 60s, but obviously I'm only 24, yeah. so I can't judge that. But in terms of what Ian offers, he always has offered goals, especially in the team like Daly's. They're not the best team, obviously, in League One. And he's still managed to get over 17 goals. He'll probably be a top scorer again for like the fourth season running. So for me, just playing playing to Ian's strengths will be vital, especially towards the running. Um, I'm just hoping he keeps his temper because he also can have a bit of a flash upon him. If the game isn't going his way, he gets marked out of the game or something like that, he can react. So I think it's just for Ian is just making you still there, mate? Making the runs in behind Wilbraham, trying to cause havoc, um, trying to cause havoc behind okay. Wilbraham, and uh, hopefully, hopefully Nick a goal. But as I said, yeah, I think no. it'll be a bit more defensively prioritised on Saturday, trying to get the yeah, was, rather than trying to go for it. Yeah, I was surprised to see him just how high he is up on that goal scoring tally. Sort of, yeah, no, um. Because I, I knew he was having a good season. I didn't realise he was having that good a season. I think it's because he's older, so he, he was one of the few team players on that sort of League One top 10 list. Yeah. Sunderland weren't linked with signing because we were linked with signing virtually everyone around deadline day and he, he yeah. wasn't on our radar probably because of his age. But yeah, he is right up there. But you reckon he's sort of your second striker playing yeah, he's, off? He's, the thing is with Keith, um, he drafted him into midfield and people didn't really understand it. Yeah. Um, people thought, why are you putting the top scorer in the team in like a central attacking midfielder? He needs to be playing off the striker, running behind. And that's where he's got his goals this season, like coming off the shoulder and nipping in space in the box, playing in the box. And, and for a large point, I think we forgot what was best for our system. And we just thought he's the best player in our team. He can drop in, he can try and create stuff. And he's not really that sort of player. That shouldn't be his job. He should be in the box, getting goals, causing havoc for defences rather than trying to build up the attacks. Because He'd build up attacks and no one would be in the box and it'd just be a dead-end football, basically, and nothing progressed. But I think now he's getting into the box more. He scored against Gillingham the other day. Typical poacher's goal from Hendo. I'm just praying he maybe gets a chance or a sniff on Saturday because I think he'll be he'll be frustrated again because he didn't really have the best game up at uh, Stadium of Light. Uh, Matty Dome was the lad who scored for us up yeah. there. He didn't score that day. He didn't really see much in the game and he started to lose his head a bit there. So it's just for him... Keeping saying, keeping going and seeing if he can get a lucky break. So I think that's the only way we'll get goals on Saturdays to maybe a sudden mistake 
rather than us carving you open. In terms of other players to watch, um, last time you were on, you uh, talked about Oliver Rathbone and yeah. how good he was, and, mm. and he was sort of on moving on to bigger and better things potentially. Is he still maybe the main one that might catch the eye? He's, he's a good player. He's still obviously he's only I think he's only about twenty two, so he's still got time on his side. Um, he originally was picked up before the youth system. He was at Man United, and I think he was highly sought of there. Um, but he just didn't make it United, so he's dropped down the leagues. Um, Rivers, I think, is an excellent player. He offers a bit more now. He's got a bit more attacking now compared to our other midfielders. Um, he had a very good season. Uh, not last season, but the season before his breakthrough season, very impressive. But I think because of the decline of the team in general, it kind of maybe has hindered his progress. But I still expect Oli to maybe in the next year or so be looking towards moving to a top end of League One team. Hopefully us in that time yeah. or maybe going on to maybe a championship side because he's uh, technically he's very sound for league one but I've okay. also said this in the past about like so Callum Camps who's a midfielder and I don't think he maybe is at that standard anymore at the moment he might right. be just a form thing dipping so we'll have to see about his progress but um, we got rid of Andy Cannon in January he went to Portsmouth Okay, I was quite heartbroken about him leaving because he offered a great determination he had a better he's probably the best passing midfielder for me uh, but he left for Pompey and Jan. So it's trying to fill his, trying to fill the hole in the role he played, maybe, with the likes of Camps and Rathbone. So it's taking time to adjust. But I think over the last four games, I see more solid in control in midfield. So I'm just hoping now we can again get the partnership going to maybe spur us on to um, hopefully survival. Yeah, yeah. See. yeah, I mean, that's, that's obviously got to be the aim at this mm. stage. And mm. like you said, it's sort of the two tough games you've got and then the, the five winnable ones potentially. I think between. the last game as well, it's deja vu because we played Charlton um, again last day of the season. Obviously, that was the game last year where we saw uh, Joe Thompson, the legend himself, score <laughs> um, to keep us in the league. So I'm just hoping, Unreal. I'm hoping maybe we can get something akin to that. Maybe another late winner would be great, but yeah, I don't want to go through because I thought, I thought it like four heart attacks that day, so I, <laughs> I'd rather avoid it if possible. I'd rather get it done out of the way before that game. We'll see, we'll see. Yeah, they had a little wobble after Grant went, didn't they? And now they yeah, seem yeah. to have righted the ship. They're definitely going to be in the playoffs. And... Yeah, yeah, but I think that, that was the case last season. They were in the playoffs guaranteed by the time we played them. And I think within the last like half an hour, they didn't really see the need to win the game because Plymouth were losing. And we were there and we were desperate because Oldham at the time were drawing, so they stayed up. So I think everyone started to get a bit restless in the crowd. I certainly was not calm. But we managed to pluck out the bag and I was just hoping this time we don't have to go through that stress and rely on different teams trying to keep us up instead. Because without Northampton, no matter what we had done that last day, we would not have stayed up. So I just wanted to be on our own hands and to take points off the likes of Atkinson coming up, to take points off the likes of Wickham at home and uh, hopefully go on to uh, secure our status before the last day. It's Yeah, it's incredible. It's so tight. I mean, it's not you can't even really project it or look out for other teams' results because it's half the league. I mean, it's, well, I think, it's just I crazy. Think teams as well, like you said, Wickham, like, I would not expect them to beat the likes of... Um, I think, did they beat Sunderland this year? Are they beat no, that? they um, drew the home and away. Games. Home yeah. and away, yeah. Um, I think Oxford, they beat Portsmouth the other week. They yeah, they beat results like that. They, they nearly beat... They nearly beat Barnsley as well. Moore was on yeah, the bench yeah. for some reason and then they, they threw it away. I mean, I think them and Plymouth are sort of the two teams that have enough technical players that they struggle against the lower level ones, but then can kind of kind of come and play against the big teams as well yeah. and, and frustrate us. But then there's other clubs at the bottom, like Bradford. I don't know 
like the mismanagement of that club over the past year has been horrendous. Yeah, like, yeah. I remember a couple of years ago they were going for the playoffs, so in the playoff final against Millwall. Um, there's a season where we were like, I think we finished like seventh or eighth that season as well. We were both like that time, and it just shows how quickly football changes. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 all on their owner. I mean, um, I did the Bradford podcast we played in the first time this season, and it's just he just sounds like a he sounds like somebody who's, who's meddled meddled with the football club, had his idea, his idea's not yeah. worked, he's not been able to adapt and be humble enough to take a step back and put it right. But it's a, it's a shame, especially for a club like Bradford, like with all the history they have to see. Him. Yeah, Pretty definitely. I, mean, I feel I feel like we could maybe get out of it. I don't think Bradford will get out of it. Like some six points adrift at the bottom. Yeah, they they look like the ones that are done. Wimbledon yeah. have have come from nowhere. They they've sort of given themselves a bit a bit of a chance after yeah. being dead and buried what two months ago. Yeah, no, um, I think it's the cup run against West Ham which has helped them. Yeah, um, and also they beat they beat us at um, Scotland. They beat us when we were at home. Uh, let's go last minute winner against us a penalty in the last minute just to compound it all. Yeah, that's it's just, that. it's just giving belief from that point. I think Wimbledon mm. at the moment they've won out four out of five. Yeah, that's an absolute so, sickener. Oh, terrible, terrible, mate. But you get used to it as a Dale fan anyway, mate. So uh, hopefully not again Saturday. But we'll, uh, yeah, we'll have they to see. they were the first team really to to sort of give us our welcome to leave. League One game sort of yeah, yeah scored scored crossing the box um, yeah. long throws they they should have beat us they should have beat us and yeah. somehow Lee Lee Barry Catamola fully at the back post with five minutes to go and we took all three points it's incredible what it's what he does yeah Lee yeah still that kid oh my god oh my god <laughs> um, yeah I'd, yeah he he may or may not be back he he had a knock and he missed the eighteen against Sacramento which was which was yeah. a shame because. He obviously played really well in the Czech yeah. Trade Trophy final before before the penalty miss, and it would have been nice to see him get his redemption. But I don't, yeah, I don't think he will be starting. He might be in the eighteen. Well, he played against us in um, September, and he looked to cut above our midfield. So if he is out or if he's on the bench, it's a bit of a boost. I'm hoping. Yeah. But then again, Ledbit, I don't know what Ledbit is um, going to offer. So after seeing that and see if he can replace Catamore, maybe that whole. Yeah, he's, again, he's, there's still two quality centre midfielders for this. Like. Yeah, yeah, Ledbit is definitely a better technician and a better better passer. Yeah, um, yeah, he's he's definitely helped the team a lot. Um, yeah. I think think it will be Ledbit if he's fit enough to go with Dylan McGeeck, who was by all accounts man of the match against Accrington after having not replayed really for us in the last two months. Sort of Ledbit's signing mm. pushed him aside, and he he came back and played really well. So. Yeah. That was like that was huge. That was a huge one, sort of, for Sunderland fans to see a guy who had split split opinion, who'd had some bad games, had some good games come in and and play really well. That was like, oh yes, get in, good good yeah. on you kind of moment. And it was same it's, with Wyke actually. It should be, was it in um, January? Was it that signed? No, we we got him in the summer, and apparently he was unreal in preseason. I don't watch preseason, but like. All the journalists, um, the lads who write for the site who are at preseason games, are like, "Oh yeah, this this fella's this fella's going to be our best player." And then picks up an injury, mm. comes back, doesn't look great. The guy, who, he's a guy who used to really frustrate me because he's one of these guys who sort of he's got very good technique and he's yeah. got really good close control. But you're just like, for God's sake, just get out your feet and pass it quickly. Mm. Just get it forwards and like need to go backwards quite a bit. But yeah. he was, he was very good, very good sort of first to every loose ball on Wednesday. His, his yeah. passing was better. His passing so was a bit quicker. Together. 
Yeah, so I reckon he'll, I reckon he'll stick with him. Yeah. Um, how have you boys got on against sort of the big six? You also mentioned you're hammering against Doncaster, but have you been able to pick up points against the big teams, or is, is that another reason you're down there? It's shocking me this year is the fact that Luton are top and seem to be running away with it. I remember when we played them at home in December, just before our rock started, we played them and we drew no no, but we played them off. Should have beat them. Yeah. Should have beat them quite comfortably. Missed a few opportunities, missed a couple of one on ones. And I look and I look back on the game and I thought, I don't know how they're in the top six. And I thought at the time it was just um false positioning for us and them. Like hopefully if that's the case we could perform against them like that. And hopefully we'll start pushing up the table. Obviously it wasn't the case and Luton have gone into an extra gear and you can tell that now they're starting to just play Football would only look like they're automatically promoted, to be honest. I, I would be very surprised if they, um, if they dropped into the playoffs. Portsmouth, we always have a torrid time against Portsmouth away, so that's why I'm really dreading going for Atten Park later this month. Um, I'm trying to think, Barnsley, are Barnsley second or the third now? They're, they're second. We've got two games in hand on them. Yeah. They're, they're second. Barnsley, again, we played them away um, about February time. And we were, again, we took the lead against them. We took the lead, threw away the lead instantly and they went and scored a winner. But I don't think they were that special in all fairness. I don't know who the teams... Is it Charlton and um, Charlton Doncaster below you? Yeah, yeah. So we're, yeah. we're third. Portsmouth have still got a shot of Mac in fourth. Yeah. And then Charlton are going to be in the playoffs. And that's a case of Doncaster are sixth at the moment. I think they're the sixth best team, but... Yeah. There's still a chance that there's still a chance that say your Blackpools, your Coventrys, or your Peterboroughs could nip in and take that last spot. I, was say, I think Peterborough have been um, a bit of an underachievement again this year, to be honest. So much individual talent, like yeah, they've they just got. Not seem to gel. Yeah, that that Tembele, like he looked yeah. unbelievable at the start of the season. Brilliant yeah. dribbler. Then Madison's coming off the bench for them sometimes, and you're thinking, yeah, yeah you're thinking this this talent wise is one of the two or three best teams. Yeah, but they just seem to. It's said last year, to be honest. They were challenging last year and then they faded. Um, I'd probably say, in all fairness, out of the top six, you and Doncaster are the teams which have blown us away the most. Um, Barnes are beat us at home for another beginning of the season, but we weren't really on that on it that night at all. We just gave the game to Barnes. Like, I feel like at Sunderland against Doncaster, we got taught lessons. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've done terribly really against the top six. Um, that's that's one of the things that I think I've realised over the last couple of seasons is that we don't really seem to take the points off the top teams. Yeah. Um, like before that, before about 2016-17 season, we finished our highest ever place, eighth place. And before that, despite coming up in 2013-14, we'd always been near, the, we'd been in the top 10 pretty much every season. We've been taking points off the likes of Likes of Sheffield United regularly, Charlton, we've done the double over them, um, also been in League One, um, beating teams at the top like Scunfort when they were at the top shoes last season, uh, when they got to the playoff final, we beat them at home and it was one of the instigators in terms of how we turned our season round. This season we've just managed nothing against them. We've beaten Blackpool, we beat Coventry away and uh, that's it in terms of like, the top nine really. So yeah. that is where our issues lie. Is taking that, points. Would up. you put that down to your sort of dodgy, dodgy defence, or yeah, or is oh, there yeah, another yeah. specific it's, reason? It's, yeah, it's been laughable at times. Like yeah. just the goal difference itself. Like we're managing to claw it back more and more. Because more teams are starting to lose games, it starts to drag us back in the mix. But like I think at one point we had like a minus thirty odd goal difference, which is relegation 
border left, right and centre. It's just in recent weeks we've managed to steady it up. But before that, uh, defensively, we've just been horrendous, really. But I think there's a couple of factors for that. I think um, we relied a lot on loan signings before the last couple of seasons, etc. Like we used to have Jack O'Connell, who's at Sheffield United. Yeah, yeah. He's doing well a top defender in Championship standards, so God knows how he ends up here. And <laughs> um, we've had other defenders like Ashley Easter, he plays at uh, Fleetwood now, and he's a, he's a decent defender. He left like at literally left um, before last season, before the rock started going towards like relegation candidates. He was keeping us afloat there. Uh, we've had like Joe Rafferty move on to Preston as well. Sam Hart, he's moved over to South End. So it's, it's been rejigging defence as well. I think it's some of it is to blame for recruitment. Some of it's just the fact that we're at our level. We can't afford to go and get a Jack Cole on a permanent transfer. We can't afford to show up defence like that. But I think um, for Saturday, one of the benefits of the last four games is seeing the likes of Intelli come in the centre-half. Um, he's come in, he scores a couple, he's scored a couple of goals from set-pieces... Um, he offers more solidarity at the back. He's more inclined with um, Jim McNulty. There's a better relationship between the pair of them. And they just seem more solid. And I'm hoping he can just continue that form to the rest of the season because he was at first a left back and it, it wasn't really working for him. Like he had the pace, but he didn't really have a tactical nose. But I think now he's been moving to centre half. He's more focused in his game and he's benefiting the people around him as a result. Yeah. And just and was that uh... a boost there a bit? Was that a Brian Murphy move? Or? It was, yeah. It was a big Brian move for BBM. <laughs> you thought I'd have a gamble, unfortunately. But now yeah. it's paying off. It's just whether it'll work on Saturday without Lonergan behind him. But that's yeah. Saturday. Hopefully I'm uh, hopefully about five o'clock Saturday evening I'm uh, toasting the entire masterclass. But it'll be very difficult. Especially against a striker like Will Grigg. He always loves a goal against us. So. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping he's fit because, yeah. I mean, the goal the goal he scored against Sacramento, it's just that, it's that touch of class. I mean, his, yeah. his winner against Walsall as well, same thing. It's just, even if he's quiet, he can just finish in a way that other strikers at this level can't. He's, he's the best striker at this level without a doubt. Like, played for Wigan the year before this, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah. came from Wigan, yeah, and he was very good for Wigan. Surprised yeah. to let him go, to be honest, that quickly in all fairness, but... He's done it with Wigan, he's done it with like some Walsall, yeah. MK Dons. He's very used to playing at League One. He knows how to score goals at this level. So he'll be a massive concern as always. And he'll definitely back a goal. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't score um, when it comes to Saturday. So it's just about hopefully keeping him as quiet as possible. But for this level, definitely cut above. For yeah. me, the best, one of the best replacements you could have got for Manchu is him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, yeah, it's one of those where I think with the ankle injury that he mm. picked up just before he came here, we haven't seen him at his absolute best, but we've still mm. seen sort of those one or two moments of just absolute quality. And yeah, like he scored a couple of brilliant goals recently and you're just hoping he can Continue he can that keep up between between now and May. Mm. I think I'm it's that time, mate. Well, as long as it's not on Saturday. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, well, likewise, um, with your your chance of getting out of this relegation dogfight, um, all starts yeah five pm Saturday. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, yeah, yeah. what do you reckon then? Um, let's have a have a score prediction. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I said it to Connor. I said in uh, September, I'll be very happy if we score a goal. Yeah, so we scored a goal now, so that's fine by me. So we got a goal in September in Stadium White. I was very happy at home. And if he gave me a draw right now, I'd snatch it on. I'll take the draw. I think my heart says draw, my head says defeat. 
Yeah, my my gut is is sort of saying this is this is too good to be true. Yeah. Sunderland just when they've got it in their own hands, when the momentum's building, this this has heartbreaking one all draw written all over it. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna say two 0 Sunderland. Yeah. I'm not gonna be that guy. I don't think um, that's unrealistic to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. We can just yeah keep this keep this run going well Alex it's been a pleasure thank you very much for your time thank you as well mate thank you top man and thanks everyone for listening as always rate and give us a review if you've enjoyed the show and stay tuned to this podcast feed because I'm sure Alex and the boys will have all the fallout from the big game at Spotland for you come Monday or maybe even a bit later so look out for that one and thanks a lot Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAG is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAG, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.